0: Showtime Sports presents Showtime
1: Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. With my co-host Eric Raskin, I am Kieran Mulvaney. And first of all, apologies for the fact it has been a while since our last podcast, but we have good reason for it. We have been waiting for everything at the old home office there to fall into place. For all the I's to be dotted, the T's to be crossed. And now they have been. And as you may well have heard by now, boxing is back on Showtime after a four month plus absence. Uh, Nine events in total have been announced so far to take us from early August into December, all of them for now slated to be staged at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. We begin August 1st with a pair of unbeatens fighting for a 122-pound belt, Stephen Fulton against Angelo Leo. Uh, two weeks later, August 15th, it's super middleweight action as David Benavides takes on Romer, Alexis, and Gulo. Both of those cards are triple headers. On September 19th, Erickson Lubin faces off against Terrell Gaucher in an Excellent £154 contest on yet another triple header that also features Jaron uh, Boots Ennis, uh, one of the favourites here on the podcast. And then one week after that, September 26th, it is a unique back-to-back double-header pay-per-view card with two headliners. Jamal Charlo takes on Sergei Derevyanchenko in middleweight action in one main event before his twin brother Jamel meets Jason Rosario in an excellent £154 unification contest. And those two cards, back-to-back, feature brandon figueroa uh, diego magdaleno mario barrios and daniel roman in separate bouts it's a pretty impressive comeback uh, we have to say but as they say in infomercials wait there's more
2: <laughs> that's right kieran there is more <laughs> um that's how do you like my infomercial voice yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I'm not selling you on a shake weight or a uh, crazy <laughs> right. squeegee sponge or whatever. Um, but maybe I can sell you on these fights, which won't take a whole lot of selling, because uh, the action continues in October uh, on the 10th. Sergey Lipinets takes on Kudratio Abdukakarov in welterweight action with one of our showbox favorites, Xavier Martinez, on the undercard. Uh, two weeks later. It's another pay-per-view as Javante Tank Davis faces off against Leo Santa Cruz at 130 pounds in a long-awaited matchup between youth and experience. On November 28th, Chris Colbert meets Jaime Arboleda in an excellent 130-pound matchup. And finally, in a really mouth-watering bout on December 12th, undefeated Nordin Ubali meets reborn veteran Nonito Denaire in a featherweight title fight. Uh, And we should note uh, there are still undercard fights and possible additional cards to be added to the schedule.
1: Yeah, uh, not uh, not bad at all. Uh, The return of Showtime Boxing isn't the only thing that we're going to tackle this week. We are also going to take a look back at the ESPN cards that have taken place so far and look ahead at the return of Boxing from Golden Boy and Matchroom, but understandably uh, the showtime fights are going to take up the bulk of our conversation today and we will begin with the man who has spent the last few weeks and possibly months hunkered down putting all these deals together we are thrilled to be joined now by showtime's president of sports and events programming Stephen espinoza Stephen, welcome back to the showtime boxing podcast gentlemen
0: uh pleasure to be here um and i'll tell you it, it's it's exhausting. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a reason we only do this every couple of years or so, because, you know, there's the expression herding cats is exactly what it's like. Right. <laughs> um, you know, getting, getting all this in order and getting everybody involved to keep their mouth shut, which is probably the hardest part. Um, but I, I think it held pretty well. Um, and we were, uh, we were happy. We wanted to hold things and, and make a high impact announcement. And hopefully that's what we achieved.
1: Yeah, definitely. Look, before we drill down into the news, we've got to do what is our customary welfare check that we kick off every interview mm-hmm. during these last couple of months. When we last spoke to you, everything was just kind of kicking off, really. It was several months ago. I think it was March. Uh, you mm-hmm. just had that last showbox card. At that point, the disease was just starting to tear through New York City. Um, right. Here we are now. New York City seems to be, or the Northeast, uh, seems to be relatively under control as it's tearing now this pandemic through the rest of the country. How are you, personally, after these last four months, how has it been? How is New York City? Uh, And and also on a personal level, how surreal was this, putting all of this together in this very strange world?
0: Well, I'll take the last one first. You know, every time... uh you think you've seen it all in this sport <laughs> and, and it seems like every couple of years you're like, okay, now I've seen it all. Um, the sport reminds you, 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 you haven't seen it all. And, you know, going through the, the level of detail that we've been going through the last few weeks, um, because there are, there are Viacom CBS parameters. Um, there are, you know, Mohegan Tribe has their own, PBC has their own um, and uh, we're consulting with, epidemiologists and virologists that have been hired by, by CBS. So all these things have to be layered uh, on top of each other and, you know, and, and come up with something cohesive and practical. So I, I think I've become more tuned to um, the mechanism of this virus. Um, I think we've all become many experts, um, you know, the, the word Bubble is is going to be the most overused <laughs> word of of twenty twenty. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go through the rest of this pod without it, without saying it. Um, but um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting period. I you know uh, I think probably if we talked we talked right about that week of uh, I think the week everything shut down. Correct.
1: I think basically, yeah. Right.
0: So. Um, for, for me personally, I had just gotten over um, what I was told was the flu um, the week prior, um, which I've since learned was actually COVID. Oh, um, wow. um, they were not testing at that point um, as aggressively as they were now. So they told me I had the flu. Uh, I now, you know, I've obviously had the antibody test. So um, I know that was uh, it. My girlfriend had it. We had it. We certainly didn't have the scary experience, you know, certainly not hospitalized or, or, or worse. Um, But, you know, now four months later, New York city still isn't New York city. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not even close between the number of people who have sort of taken up shelter elsewhere, um, the number of, of small businesses and restaurants that have closed. And still, I think a lot of psychological damage where people are not quite comfortable getting out again. It's it's a completely different place. It just it doesn't even feel like anything that I've felt in, in the, the nine years that I've lived here. Mm. All right.
2: Well, uh, enough of the downer stuff. Let's, let's okay. get to uh, the, <laughs> the exciting stuff. The Showtime Boxing is back, or, or it will be in a, about a week and mm-hmm. a half, and then it won't let up the rest of the year, pretty much. Uh, Kieran and I ran down the list of fights and dates at the top of the podcast, mm-hmm. and I realize we're not quite impartial observers, but gotta say this is a hell of a lineup um so you you talked about the the herding cats aspect uh can you give us any more insight into what went into getting this massive schedule of fights done and just how hard it was to keep these details under lock and key while you were finalizing things and waiting to make this big announcement
0: you know it's a um it's a little bit of a calculated risk you know of how much information you let on how much pbc lets on how much We learn on who you bring in, and and, and of course, the most difficult part is the fighters because you give a fighter a date, and he (laughs) wants to tell everybody about it. He's he's thrilled. Like everybody, you know, especially now, is so excited to get a date that they want to run out and tell everybody. So that's the hardest part. And look, you don't want to take away that joy from the fighters, but um, selfishly, as a network and as fans, um, it's just such a a, a much more impactful way to think about the sport, to to think about scheduling, to be able to look at six months worth, um, and we're going to fill in the gaps with some other things uh, too as well. Um, but I would say, you know, w- we started with um, with the main events um, and just laid out, and we got to the point where, you know, we want to do something that was more than anyone else had done. Mm -hmm. And we could have done that with uh, two or three months of announcements, but we kept going and going and we figured out, you know, we can actually do this. Uh, I actually, you know, it it went so far. It wasn't part of the formal announcement, but, um, you know, we're, we're penciling in right now for Martin Luther King weekend, uh, I believe it's the 16th uh, of January, um, for everyone's favorite Adrian Broner to return. So like it, it got to the point where, you know what, um, you know, it went even further than we thought it would. And then after that, it's just a, a matter of matching up the guys who are available with some sort of editorial, you know, slant. Like, for example, mm. the September 19th card with, uh, with Lubin, Lubin Gauchet. Um, We ended up sliding in Jerron Ennis there because editorially, I mean, people forget how young Lubin is and how young Ennis is. So you've got a, a nice story there with two of the, the real, we, we talk about young stars all the time, but these guys really are young stars on the verge of, of world title fights. So um, trying to make some internal stories. We have the, um, you know, the, the, the COVID uh, heavyweight fight. Uh, right. Between Waleen <laughs> right. And, and Kaufman. Um, you know, and, and we smile about that, but, you know, and, and I do too. But you know, Marshall Kaufman's um, battle with with COVID was was rough, uh, mm. was very rough. Um, and for Travis, as a uh, as a a father, uh, his baby, I believe, is under a year old. Mm. Um, and the baby had it, the wife had it, his father had it. It was it was a scary time for that for the entire Kaufman family. Um, so it's a great that that both of them have got to the point where they're able to. To train and prepare for a fight.
2: Interesting that you you broke a little news there that uh, I don't know if anyone knows yet about the January Broner uh, nope. But one. but I have first to say one. also you may have uh, you may have given him a new nickname. I think they should introduce him as everybody's favorite Adrian <laughs> Broner. Good troll right. move.
0: <laughs> right, right. It, uh, it, yeah, it's your boy Adrian. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah um looking at the schedule obviously it's packed there's, there's every card has has great fights on it but obviously two events really stand out and they're the pay-per-view ones um and the first one or one of those is is literally a twin bill in every way you you, you look at it uh, a, a genuine double header you've got uh, jamal charlo against sergey Derevianchenko at the top of one three fight card and then you've got twin brother jamal against jason rosario and the top of another three-fight card back-to-back um, two-part question um, <laughs> to go with a two-part pay-per-view um, obviously these are two very very strong fights without even going into the undercard um, the Charlos are the a-sides but we've seen with Derevianchenko and Rosario they are solid solid very very good fighters Absolutely. Um, so the first part is you know what would you would be expecting to see from those main events and, and the second part is it's a practical one. What's this experience going to be like for viewers? There's never been a back-to-back pay-per-view card like this. Are we going to see three fights starting at, say, 6 Eastern, followed by a Barker show while everybody goes to the bathroom, and then another three-fight card, something like that?
0: Um, not too far off. Um, you know, the, the, the idea on that was, was actually we, were, um, we were, were trying to follow in the footsteps of WWE, um in this past spring they had done i believe it was wrestlemania um right. they did two nights right um now that was only a digital one um for uh, a digital pay-per-view for the exact reason that we ran into which is um the traditional operators the cable the satellite side there's a, a technological challenge with leaving a pay-per-view window open for 48 hours instead of the usual 24 mm-hmm. so um I mean, it made a lot of sense, you know, twins, title fights, Friday, Saturday night. Um, that that would have been great. So all we did is we put it together on, on one card. And I think, um, you know, we don't want to lose too much of the West Coast audience. I mean, mm. Now that it's warm, um, you know, people are outside. You put on a fight at you know 3 p.m. on a Saturday. West Coast, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you're going to get, um, unless people are locked down, unfortunately, which... Mm may be the case uh, right. by that point but um, you know I think it'll be a little bit er, er, earlier than we normally go um, but part of the reason is you know didn't want to start too early so we, we cut back each undercard to two fights right. and um, yeah the, the the one element that uh, our talent and our production team has lo- lobbied enthusiastically <laughs> for was a bathroom break between the two <laughs> courts. Um, because otherwise, um now now more I'll give him this, you know, with all the MMA that he's called in 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 combat sports overseas, he's used to like a, a seven hour marathon of fights, whether it's uh he's called some on zone, he's called a, a lot for Bellator, and you know, it's a it's a marathon. Um but I, I think what we'll do is yes, exactly. We'll have some sort of preview show as a break between the two of them, give everybody a chance to go to the bathroom order their pizza, whatever they're going to do, right. and, and come back for the second, the second
1: half. And, and you, you know, obviously, they're, they're great undercards as well. And, and we'll talk about them as we get closer to the event. But those main events, the Charlos are, you know, potentially real stars, but this are very, very serious fights. They could very easily go 0 for 2 here.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and that's, I think that's probably what we're most proud of across the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could you can look at August one. Um, you know, uh, you know, Fulton is probably a slight favorite over Angelo Leo, but I, you know, I'm I'm not sure anybody can definitively tell you. I know Termaine Williams and and, uh, and in Salim. I don't know. If that's a toss up to me. Um, Escudero and Joseph George, you know, was basically, you know, a toss up the first time. Um, so you look through this. I think what we're most proud of is there's a lot of tough fights, a lot of evenly matched fights, um, whether they're, these are guys at the top tier or up and coming guys like, like Fulton and Leo. They're all taking tough fights. They're all in 50-50 fights or very close.
2: Yeah, um, and then another one that's uh, in that fifty fifty range is is your other pay per view headliner uh, on October twenty fourth, uh, Gervonta Tank Davis against Leo Santa Cruz, which, uh, as you said uh, during the press conference this afternoon, it'll be at one hundred thirty pounds with both Leo's one hundred thirty pound belt and Tank's one hundred thirty five pound belt on the line. This is a fight that's been rumored to be in the works since before the pandemic, and now it's done. If Javante wins is this the fight that launches him to the superstar level? Like, like can you see him being the central figure on, on Showtime boxing and Showtime pay-per-view starting in 2021 if he delivers against Santa Cruz? Uh, I,
0: I think so. Look, um, you know, th- there, there are several steps to sort of becoming that big star. And, and one of those is to sort of impress, um, you know, the, the Mexican boxing audience, you know, and that's an important part of the fan base. Um, And sometimes the the easiest way to earn respect is to beat one of their stars. So I think that's, you know, he's trying to conquer that, that portion of of the fan base. Um, But again, you know, I'm not sure Tank was really looking for Leo. Had him really on on his, this was all initiated by Leo. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is, this was all him, all him. So not that Tank was running for him, but I think Tank was thinking, you know, some of the other guys, um, and then the, the reality, it, it's a good style matchup. Leo is very, very confident. And, you know, I, I think this will turn into something pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Mm. Of all the other fights on the schedule, and there are lots of them, the one that really leapt out at me that I really liked was the last one presently on the schedule, uh, mm-hmm. Nordin uh, uh, Ubali against Nenita Um Donair obviously just... Sort of brought his career back to life with his performance yep. against Inoue last year, but we, we saw Ubali, you mentioned Adrian Brana, we saw Ubali on the undercard of Bronner's pay-per-view with, with Pacquiao against Rasheed Warren and that dude is a good, good boxer, a yes. really yeah. high-quality guy, a very tough fight for Nanita Donaire, who probably goes in again as the underdog. Uh, are you surprised or amazed that Lighter of weight fighters are not supposed to be fighting at a world title level at 37 years old. And, and there's no need to air. And, and I'm curious about when you had conversations with him about this fight, he could have walked off into the sunset after that in a weight fight. Mm-hmm. Did he give you any indication that that's something he was considering? And if so, what was it about fighting Ubali that made him want to do this matchup?
0: You know, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know, uh, like all the fighters personally, a lot of them I do, and Nonito is somebody we just crossed past a fair amount. So um, uh, I know he and and Rachel, you know, we're, we're friendly. We'd always wanted to figure out a way to work together. Um, And we, we talked about it, you know, since I've gone to Showtime off and on. Um, And, and no, you know, there were, um, there was never a time where Nonito, I think, really strongly considered uh, giving it up. Um, Mm. I think there were, you know, some challenges with some of the politics and, you know, and, and getting this, but, uh, you know, from Nonito, um, he, he's as committed. I mean, he, you guys know him. I mean, he still looks like he's, yeah. you know, 23 years old. It <laughs> pisses me off. Like i never <laughs> um, never, I'm sure you guys have the, you know, the same reaction. Um, and that's one, you know, I, I like you. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I would have liked to, Slotted in sooner, but we wanted to be safe with Ubali having to come in from overseas. Right. You know, we wanted to make sure that we had that, and therefore we put it at the latest date possible, even though that is one of the ones that I'm looking forward to the most personally. All mm-hmm.
2: right. All right. So the last one that we want to drill down on for now is, is the very first main event that you have coming up. And you, you mentioned it already Fulton and, and Leo. We've seen them both on Showtime, of course. Fulton scored an impressive win over Arnold Hagai in January, uh, while Leo was on the network a couple of times in 2019. And Kieran and I will be analyzing the fight in depth next week. But um, I'm curious for your take on how satisfying it is to be able to grow fighters' careers on the network, shepherd them on the way up and then match two unbeatens like this in a fight poised to launch one of them to the championship level. You
0: know, it, it, it it's great. And one of one of the best things about the job, um, and I remember the first time, uh, one of the first times that we had um, David Benavides on. Um, and, you know, hearing from him say, look, I I had watched, I had envisioned myself up doing an interview with Brian Custer at the desk, you know, and that says to me sort of not only am I – fighting there, but if I'm doing an interview at the desk, that means they're you know, promoting my fight ahead of time and talking about it when I'm, I'm not there. That means, you know, I've, I've started to arrive. When mm-hmm. you find yourself sitting at the desk doing an interview, you know, in street clothes, you know, you, you're, you've arrived. So that's one of And, you know, him being so young and such uh, a good kid, um, you know, it really makes that a lot more enjoyable and satisfying for all of us. In, you, we see it with Fulton and Leo, um, you know, and, and there's some other kids like, uh, I mean, I, I think if you look at like uh, Xavier Martinez, um, who is somebody I, I, I really like. Love Martinez. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And everybody loves, you know, Roley uh, watching Rolando Romero fight. He's always entertaining. Um, and, and to the credit, all these tough guys, I mean, for Xavier Martinez to take on a very tough Claudio Marrero, that's, you know, that's a big step up. And, you know, so those kinds of guys, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm proudest of. It's, it's not just the champions who are taking the tough fights. It's the guys who are trying to make a name for themselves and they're not afraid to take those tough fights either. Uh,
1: a couple of questions I want to ask about how these events are, are, are mm-hmm. set up and how they're going to look. I mean, first of all, you know, you sort of, at least for now, depending on how the virus develops over the next few months, the plan is pick a venue, stay there limit travel as much as possible, Um, you know, set up a B word around the venue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm curious about, um, was that a decision that you made very early on? And what was it about Mohegan specifically that that sort of took you there?
0: Um, It's it's a good question. and It was one of the things that I I found myself wishing that I had taken the time to address during the press conference, because at least for those of us in the business, I think it was sort of an, an interesting dynamic here we made the decision early on that we wanted to partner with Bellator so we weren't looking for you know a venue for four dates we were looking for a venue for nine dates over 10 weeks Mm. so you know we wanted to and there are a lot of advantages we wanted to be able to move in once leave our stuff there um, you know set up a production with lighting and and a stage and all of that which worked with the minimal of change for both boxing and MMA, and you know, and actually use this to maybe you know save some money, um, be a little bit more efficient, mm-hmm. and and have some predictability. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bellator has their first event this Friday uh, on Paramount, and then we follow obviously a week from Saturday, and we're essentially alternating. So that venue, we're we're basically in you know, nine out of the next 10 weeks with either a boxing event or an MMA event. So that's the the one thing is we went to various areas and said, we if you won't let us stay here for 10 straight weeks with nobody else, then, you know, that's the sort of threshold question. Um, You know, we we talked to Vegas for a while, Vegas between UFC events, uh, top rank events, um, and if we add two more promotions, um, you know, PBC and and, uh, and Bellator, they just didn't have the staffing to do that many events. So um, then, you know, California, look, we were also a little bit worried toward the end about the trajectory that the virus is taking in some of these territories. Um, you know, we knew going into Connecticut, Look, knock on wood, um, you know, everyone still remembers what March was like and April yeah. was like, but they've been averaging about you know, less than 10 new cases a day for the last two to three weeks. So we're very comfortable going there. Um, you know, It's quiet, it's self enclosed. Um, it's a the right size arena. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a good fit and it's really exciting. I think this is something that, um, it's one of the efficiencies the corporation saw and I think why they moved Bellator under me so we could start to think about how we produce these shows and make them more efficient and and more cost effective and and be able to cross pollinate the audiences maybe even a little bit more than we traditionally see.
1: Okay, and announcers are all going to be on site, is that correct? Um, and and, they, and also, what's it yeah. going to look like? You going to have camera guys on the apron, or are you just using remotes?
0: Um, we have camera guys on the 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 apron. Um, you know, everybody. Uh, Everybody who is under the the uh, Mohegan rules, anybody who's sort of in the ring or near the ring, including a handheld camera, including announcers, um, will have a you know a test on Friday morning on top of what they've done. So all of those people, you know, they test. They've got some pre-fight tests. They've been a test as soon as they arrive. They got daily screenings and then uh, the test before uh, that day. So. Everyone is masked in the arena um, at all times. The ref will not be masked. Okay. The fighters obviously not be masked. The corners will be. Our announcers, while they're calling the fight, are not being masked, but they are in little plexiglass sound booths. Okay. You know, so you know, it's it looks like they're like an old game show. You know, in some <laughs> sense or the other. <laughs> right. They're very okay. far apart in little plexiglass booths. Like, ah, okay. Uh, you know. Toy show or something. <laughs> right.
2: I've actually been inside a, a casino since this started, uh, mm-hmm. for, for my day job and, and saw the blackjack table with the plexiglass dividers. So once you've seen that, nothing looks weird anymore, uh, inside a <laughs> plexiglass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's Mohegan op- open slowly starting June one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we've got all the same, uh, you know, B, B word precautions, you know, right. um, uh, <laughs> It's, it's basically what what we've told everybody working for us including the, the fighters um, just plan on being in your hotel room all week right. Like, right. it's it. um, unless you're doing an official fight related event you'll be in your hotel room right. and you know those and the guys um, you know I really got to hand it to PBC um, I think you know the guys who with the exception of the fight that just got replaced you know when they're catching up on testing uh, I think everybody else, in terms of the opening fight and, and the main event, they all four of those fighters have been tested at least five times, yeah. and will be tested another two times. So, uh, look, anything can happen at any time. We still don't know this. There were going to be positive tests, uh, but we're really stressing early testing, um, and so we don't have last-minute uh, surprises. You know that—that's right. the hope.
2: Right. Well, well. On on that front, uh, speaking of of these B words, uh, we had the chance to observe the top rank MGM B word uh, all, mm-hmm. all summer and see what worked and what didn't. And unfortunately for them, they had quite a few fights fall through over the course of uh, of the summer. Some because of COVID, some for other reasons. Um, but I'm just curious if there were particular things you took away from watching that experiment that that you're. Adapting, adjusting, using to try to translate to as few fights as possible, falling out. Yeah, I,
0: I think I've reviewed every conceivable health and safety protocol plan. I know everything we get a hold like, uh, seen the NBA, seen Major League Baseball, um, seen UFCs, um, obviously seen Bellator's. I, we even looked at at, at professional bull riding, <laughs> um, and, and actually took some ideas um, from there. Um, also consulted with PGA um with with cbs sports on, on pga golf which they've been doing for several weeks um you know the the plan was um to be patient and a observe everybody else and learn from our mistakes and, and i think that's one of the things is we wanted to really emphasize early testing and regular testing and training camp um, because there's nothing worse for a fighter than you know to get to fight week and then have that let down if we can head that off three or four weeks earlier, then everyone's, um, you know, much better off. Um, so I think that's, that's one piece of it. And, you know, the other thing is, um, and we said this early on, um, we weren't just going to come back to come back. We wanted to come back with the level of fights that are going to attract attention. Um, you know, I am not a believer in this whole thing about, oh, there's pent up demand, pent up demand. Mm. I think that, that lasts for all of about five minutes.
2: Right. Um,
0: you know, I think what you're going to see is people are gonna be as picky um, as, as they were originally. You know, there's still a lot of options out there, particularly when everything else is coming back as well, including NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. Um, we, you know, in order to be competitive, we need to do high level, high quality fights, meaningful fights. So it took us a little bit longer than others to get here, but but that's why.
1: Before we let you go, I want to ask you one question, change gears a little bit, ask you sure. one non-boxing Showtime sports programming okay. question. Outcry. I um, want to try and make the question and answer as spoiler free as possible because there are probably okay. still okay. people who are watching it on Linear week by week. Um, Eric and I have both binged the whole thing. We both loved the thing. Uh, it's really very, very compelling. Um, I guess to try and avoid spoilers, the, the, the question mm-hmm. that I really wanted to ask, you know, it's very clear that the filmmakers began shooting without having any idea how anything was Correct. going to wind up. And, and, and I'm curious as the point at which you became involved, was the story arc basically concluded when they brought it to you? No, was it part way through? No. And also, had you heard of this case? I'd never heard of this case before. I um, neither I nor uh,
0: nor the filmmaker, Pat Condellas, who's, who's a phenomenal director. Um, had had heard of the case. He was actually doing a screening of the last film he did for us. He did one called Disgraced about Baylor basketball, and a mm-hmm. murder that took place within the program. Um, and someone came up to him after a screening of the film at South by Southwest, a woman, he says, who said, you know what? Have you heard of this, you know, this case of Greg Kelly? You should really look into that. And Pat is from Austin, from the Austin area mm-hmm. and hadn't heard of it. Um, it just hadn't hit his radar, and then when he looked into it, it was uh, it was absolutely fascinating. So we came into the we've been with the project for over two years, so we we were hanging on, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, hanging, you know, on, on the edge of our seat, waiting for these wow. same these same the, these rulings. I mean, it was agonizing for us to sit there and say, you know, how can a, a criminal appeal take so long mm. to rule on? Um, forgetting that we're not the ones. And for those who haven't seen it, there's um there's a, a a strange process, you know, where it's sort of like I, I guess it's the way kids today are learning that they're in college, you know, where they got admitted. <laughs> ah. so like, okay, go to a website, <laughs> <Right>. refresh, refresh, <laughs> refresh. Right. You know, at nine a.m. every Wednesday, the Court of Appeals just posts their decisions. So I, I can't imagine what. You know uh, the, the 12 hours before that Tuesday uh, night, and you know, knowing hey, I might wake up tomorrow morning, log on, and I have to report back to jail, right? You know, by 5 p.m., or I could be they could tell me I'm going back into trial, or I, I could be a free man. I, I it, you know, he went on for months and months and months checking every Wednesday, just like that, just mm. refresh, refresh. No, nope, not this week. I guess it'll be next week. Amazing. I would have lost it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> And I guess, and I guess you had cameras on him every Wednesday that entire time, just in case that was the day. It, it got.
0: Uh, there were some Wednesdays toward the end that we sort of just we just crossed our fingers and hoped, Let's hope this isn't it. <laughs> um, we we wouldn't do a reenactment on something like that, but right. uh, we would have been screwed if we had. Uh, wow. We got unlucky because toward the end we just we couldn't be with him but we we happened to be with him on this particular day he was actually in new york when he found out right
1: yeah wow. it's from it was compelling stuff it was excellent if anybody's listening to this they haven't yet started to watch it it's on demand it's on showtime now watch but it. yeah Five but
0: clear clear out some time in your schedule because it's it's tough yeah right once you get through the first one it's tough to, yeah. to stop um yeah. you know and, and the the fascinating part here is um you know, we, we, Finish finished this well before the George Floyd uh, mm. situation. So, um, you know, I get that question sometimes of why why didn't you look at issues of race and class? Mm. Um, and it's not apparent, but Greg Kelly um, is, you know, is half Latino. Um, right. his, his mother's from Central America. You could know, see that. Um, but everyone agrees in, in this particular case, race didn't really play mm. into it. Right. You know, there are a lot of things that went wrong, um, a lot of scary things. Um, But this is one of the situations where it doesn't seem to. I mean, I think you had a horrific crime, which people really wanted to put behind them. And somewhere in there, you know, um, Greg became a casualty because, you know, there were just a lot of questions in in the investigation and in the trial itself.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a tremendously compelling documentary, and uh, I think we also have a tremendously compelling series of fights coming up on Showtime in the months ahead. So uh, congratulations on, on getting it all done, Stephen. And uh, go, go get yourself some sleep now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have a, a couple glasses of wine and some sleep. Right. Sure. There you go. Well, well earned. Right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Thanks nice night, a Steve. lot, Stephen.
1: All right. We will, of course, have a full preview of Fulton Leo next week, and we will resume our interrupted prediction contest as well. Um, are but are
2: you, are you sure? Are you sure we want to resume uh, without just setting scores back to zero? Uh, I think. I think I maybe mean, we set
1: scores back to we zero. We could on the actually just decide that there's already been a winner for the year, and this is just like a I don't know, like a bonus round or something. If you want, nah, I don't think really? we want to go that no? route. Let's just yeah, say that. No. no, no, I, think no, ma- no I think no matter no matter what, we'll there's
2: not. an asterisk attached. I- I, I, oh, I, I just I, I don't.
1: That. I don't think so. Don't right. think Unless the asterisk is the winner is awesome, which he's going to totally change if the winner isn't the present leader. Right. <laughs> I don't think that's what an
2: asterisk is for.
1: But anyway. No, you never know. Anywho, meanwhile, uh, boxing elsewhere has been returning as well, uh, including in Japan. Uh, which saw an upset in its comeback at a behind-closed-door show in Tokyo last week. Unheralded underdog Daishi Nagata stopped Koki Inoue, cousin of Noya, in the seventh round to lift the Japanese 140-pound belt, which was enough to prompt Inoue to announce his retirement, at least for now. He wouldn't be the first person to announce his retirement after losing his first fight, but we shall see. Um, But, of course... For those of us in these here United States, we have for the past couple of months been feasting solely on a diet of top ranked fights on ESPN. Live from the MGM Grand, close your ears now, Stephen, bubble. (laughs) Uh, That series is entering a brief mid-season hiatus following Oscar Valdez's uh, 10th round TKO victory over Jason Velez on Tuesday, a card that also saw super middleweight Edgar Belanga running his record to 14-0 with 14 first-round KOs. Uh, So the series so far has been something of a roller coaster, a lot of last-minute changes to main events, some fun fights, some upsets, some mismatches. Uh Eric while everyone at ESPN and top rank takes a breath what have you been your thoughts about the cards that we've seen so far
2: I have to say I'm kind of over these MGM bubble cards uh so I'd say it's perfect timing uh for this mid-season break you know the, the first couple of weeks I was pumped I was into it but I just kept fast-forwarding more and more as it went along. The the charm of C-level and D-level fights has worn off. Um, and, uh, you know, nothing personal against the broadcasters, but I'm sick of their voices. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's time for a mid-season <laughs> hiatus, and I want very much for Bernardo Osuna to go home and see his family. Yes. Uh, and, and I love Bernardo. He's one of the voices not annoying me. I, I don't mean that I want him to get off my TV screen. I just mean let the man go see his wife and kids. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the fights... Top Rank got about as unlucky as they could get over the course of this series. Um, the quality of the fights was going to be a bit lacking no matter what, but Top Rank and ESPN really ran bad with uh, with fights falling out. The last few weeks, other than this Tuesday's Valdez-Velez fight, every other main event in July fell through for one reason or another, whether it was PED tests, missing weight, covid tests uh, poor jamel herring um Seriously. Uh, and none of that is top ranks fault uh, i will note uh, that it worked out in my personal favor on one front uh big baby miller falling out allowed me to spot ridiculously good odds on carlos takam and win some money uh, not to mention there was a side bet made on, on twitter between me and evan Rutkowski. uh he now owes me a coffee if there's ever a fight week in Las Vegas again. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, these last few weeks of of bubble fights weren't great. I did a lot of fast forwarding and this particular, Hey, just be thankful there's boxing to watch series at MGM has run its course for me. Um, But we should note that while I labeled these C-level and D-level fights, When the MGM bubble comes back in late August, it will be with some better fights. Uh, A later Alvarez versus Joe Smith Jr. on August 22nd was just announced, and Jose Ramirez versus Victor Postal attempt number 47, coming up on (laughs) August 29th. So the the late summer series is currently shaping up to be better than the early summer slash midsummer series.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so we've talked so far about uh Showtime's big boxing plans starting August 1st and about the ESPN fights that just ended. In between, there's a card this Friday, the return of Golden Boy boxing on DAZN. And just as Top Rank launched its series with one of the brightest young stars in its stable in Shakur Stevenson, Golden Boy is jumping back into the pool with a similarly stellar young Virgil Ortiz Jr. Uh, Stevenson's return bout against Felix Carabayo was a wipeout, Stevenson dominating the fight before scoring a six-round stoppage. But we all gave it something of a pass because at least live boxing was back. Now that we've become more accustomed to live fights, to the point where I just said I'm over them to some extent, (laughs) uh, there might not be the collective acceptance of total mismatches that there was six weeks ago. So the question to you is, is Ortiz's foe, Samuel Vargas, on paper a better opponent than Caraballo was, or or, or are we looking at another pure showcase for the A-side here?
1: Um, he's somewhat better in that he, he's more experienced, um, and he's been in the ring with a much higher caliber of opponent. Um, however, how he has fared against that much higher caliber of opponent tells you everything you need to know about how this fight is likely to go. Uh, he dropped decisions to Luis Colazo and Amir Khan, but he's also stopped by Danny Garcia and a quite young Errol Spence Jr. Um, so he's got a level. It's several levels below Virgil Ortiz Jr. Right. Um, this is a, going to be, I think, an Ortiz showcase. Um, you know, that's it, Ortiz is sufficiently good and sufficiently fun to watch. That okay, just this one time. Um, but but, and I think we are going to have to, you know, make some allowances because you know some fighters are obviously not going to have been able to be in the best possible shape over the last several months. Um, but I think this is a. It's still likely a showcase against a nominally better opponent, but one that is probably a fight that is not likely to go much differently, I suspect, than the Stevenson-Caraballo fight.
2: Yeah. Okay. uh, Moving on, we've covered Showtime, ESPN, and DAZN fights now. Uh, Matchroom is also on the verge of returning in both the U.S. and the U.K. We mentioned a a couple of weeks ago that Matchroom U.S.'s first post-lockdown card would be in COVID hotspot Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, The promoter has since announced that it will in fact be in the streets of Tulsa. Uh, This particular street will be shut down, and despite the open-air setting, no spectators will be allowed.
1: What do you think of this decision to take it to the streets, Karen? Uh, I mean, look, I get what Matchroom's doing here. Actually, I mean, it's trying, as it's trying with its August dates in the UK, to sort of make the backdrop look spectacular, to try to do something better than an empty casino ballroom or a TV soundstage. And I get that. Um, if you have to have a fight card in a city where cases where COVID cases are increasing, then keeping it outdoors under tightly controlled conditions makes the most sense but i'm don't but you don't have to have a fight card in a city where covid cases are increasing <laughs> right. i mean we just talked to steven about all the different processes that they went through to try and find a venue i i don't i still don't get why they're having it here uh, it feels like an extra element of unnecessary risk but you know if all the necessary protocols are adhered to then they should be able to get through it safely but you know i think golden boy is stage staging its fights at fantasy springs top rank at mgm Showtime, as we just discussed on PBC at Mohegan Sun, still the pick a venue and somewhere isolated and stick with it. Sure feels like by far the better idea than let's find a COVID hotspot and have a fight in the streets.
2: Yeah. And I'll just add about doing it outdoors that Tulsa isn't exactly Siberia. You know, high temperatures are in the 90s there at the moment. Mm. So I think you're adding a different kind of dangerous element to the situation mm. by doing it outdoors. I don't know. the whole The whole thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Indeed. But continuing with Matchroom news, but moving to the UK, uh, Katie Taylor's opponent for her August 22nd fight on the grounds of Matchroom's HQ in England has been announced. As we discussed with Dan Rayfield recently, it won't be Amanda Serrano, uh, but it'll be the next best opponent, Delphine Persoon, who pushed Taylor in June 2019 in a fight that truly could have gone either way. Aye. And in other UK boxing news, as excited as we both are for the Daniel Dubois-Joe Joyce clash on October 24th, we're going to have to endure some nervous moments before we get there, as both men have announced interim bouts. Joyce will meet Michael Walsh on July 25th, and Dubois will face Eric Pfeiffer on August 29th. Kieran, uh, are you happy with Taylor Pursune? And are you feeling nervous about those heavyweight interim bouts?
1: So first of all, full credit to Katie Taylor for going back to Delphine Mm Persone. I mean, I thought she was a bit lucky. As you mentioned, it could have gone either way. I thought she was a bit lucky to get away with the win the first time around. Um, Looked like, you know, Delphine might just be that kind of opponent who had her number there. Um, So, you know, to put at risk what remains a potential money spinner against Serrano by fighting such a dangerous opponent... For, I'm assuming, less money than they would normally get if the crowds were involved. I assume so. Um, Deserves some real applause. That's a really risky move uh, by Katie Taylor. And I'm sure she could have picked just about anybody else. So full credit there for that. Um, Full credit also to Joyce and Dubois for taking those interim fights. Um, You have to figure... Uh, Joyce is taking a little bit less of a risk because he theoretically has – would have an extra month to heal from any, like, cuts or injuries or anything. Um, Dubois is taking a bit more of a risk because it's quite close to the scheduled showdown. Uh, You know, he'd only have two months, but – you know what? It's just its just very old school of them, right? That's what fighters used to do. They just used to fight and then then fight again a couple months later. Um, hey, if something happens and they don't get to do it in October, they'll still be there for each other and um, they'll still have an opportunity down the road. I am nervous, actually, but full credit to them. Um, meanwhile, there can be no sure sign of boxing returning. Oh, you can have your fights and your cards and your people actually punching each other but you know how boxing is really coming back it's because there's wild speculation about canelo alvarez's next opponent (laughs) um so at time of recording jason quigley has said that you know he believes that he's top of the list he says that he sort of had an offer and accepted the fight but no one else seems to believe that um canelo's promoter and as much as anybody with golden boy is actually canelo's promoter these days bernard hopkins said a week or so ago that it was likely to be john Ryder, who recently gave callum smith a tough fight in a super middleweight title bout um but Chris Mannix reported a week or so ago that Smith himself is now the front and uh, with Canelo then allegedly amenable to the third fight with Gennady Golovkin after that in May 2021. Eddie Hearn has reportedly given Golden Boy a list of fighters from his stable, which includes Smith and Ryder, but also Demetrius Andrade and Dimitri Bivol. Eric, if it does end up being Callum, Callum Smith, would you be happy with that? Uh, is there somebody else out of those mentioned you'd rather see the fight? Or at this point, given that this feels like a regular feature on the podcast, are you more at the wake me when a deal is actually done level of interest?
2: Well, the the Callum Smith part of the, the question, I mean, it's obviously a much bigger fight than Quigley or Ryder, even though Ryder went about even up with Smith recently. He's, mm-hmm. he, he got the win officially, and it's, he's just a bigger name. Uh, look, the one thing I'm sure of, is that it's not going to be Demetrius Andrade. We've been over this (laughs) all risk, no reward. (laughs) Hell no, not happening. Um, honestly quickly would make some sense if they're looking to get Canelo back in action in a fight where you can live without having a live crowd, where you can get away with not paying the opponent much, where team Canelo is viewing it as almost no risk. It's just, I don't know what Canelo's goals are here. Does he want a real fight or not? I'm not sure. Um, I guess the fact that I'm thinking about it this much means that I'm not quite at a <laughs> wake-me-when-a-deal-is-done level of interest. Um, but I suspect I will be soon. I think I have one podcast discussion's worth of interest in it. Um, but, you know, big picture, I'm bummed about the pandemic possibly robbing us of a year of Prime Canelo and meaningful fights and possibly rendering Triple G way too old by the time their third fight comes around, if it comes around. Um, in the meantime... I'm kind of resigned to the likelihood of Canelo's next fight being not that big and and not that threatening of an opponent. And then, if it turns out it's Callum Smith, I'll be uh, pleasantly surprised, I guess.
1: There you go. That seems like a a good place to be at with all of this. Set set
2: yourself up for disappointment. uh,
1: Exactly. See (laughs) what happens. Uh,
2: Ending the show with some sad news: Uh, undefeated young junior middleweight. Travel Maison, who had a record of 17-0 with 13 KOs, was killed last Wednesday night in a multi-car accident in Austin, Texas at the age of just 24. A Golden Boy promotion said in a statement that Maison was a kind, charismatic young man who lit up every room he walked into and brought excitement to fans inside the ring. Fellow Texas fighter Virgil Ortiz Jr. said... For those who didn't know him or never met him, he was a very talented boxer and one of the coolest people I know. So our very deepest condolences to Treville's family and friends. Just 24, a tragedy any way you look at it. It's
1: just really, really sad. I didn't know Mazon. I didn't know of him, actually. I hadn't watched him fight. But the kind of outpouring he received, that's, that's not fake. Uh, he was clearly a genuinely nice guy. And I saw when I was trying to find out a little bit about him, that uh, back in August, he walked to the ring in silence in tribute to the victims of a pair of mass shootings that had just taken place. Mm. Um, and, and that just struck me as an immensely classy gesture and, and presumably indicated just what kind of a young man he was. 24 is far, far too young to die. Mm. Uh, it sounds like he was not only potentially a loss to boxing, but a loss to the human race, which frankly could use all the decent people it can find right now. Definitely. Uh, All right, that will do it for another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. Join us next week. Soon, really, uh, won't you? It'll be just a few days away. Uh, We will have actual Showtime fights to preview for the first time in several months. And, of course, we will have news and views, interviews and other assorted shenanigans. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe.